0: Okay, so John chapter sixteen, uh, we 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 got through fifteen. I think it took us two or three classes, um, but uh, we're 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 in such uh, just so many great things here that we're reading, and and as I just said, this is the flamingon. So we don't rush through it. We we chew it. We we absorb it. We juice it. We 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 get we unpack it. We get everything we can out of this at least through the first sweep you know i mean the it, it's it's so funny because every time i go back and i'll look back at some scriptures we covered and i think oh i didn't talk about that and oh i didn't mention that and oh i didn't say that but of course i can't say it all because we'd be here forever um but uh the good thing is you know we we've we've uh been able to spend a lot of good time probably for many of us this is probably the most in depth that we've ever gone through the scriptures um and for some of us uh we we've gone even deeper but we know we're doing good though we're we're getting in there. We're getting uh, into the deeper layers. Okay, so chapter sixteen, verse one. Um, you know, we've been into the in the middle of the final discourse, right? And um, and in the end of chapter fifteen, he rolls out. and He begins talking about the Holy Spirit, which is a huge shift. Um, and and uh, the the end of fifteen is just a little bite of it, and then we've got some uh, other topics, and then we go back into some more extensive talk about the Holy Spirit and I l- really look forward to talking about that. Um but uh 16 verse one, he says all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. Um I'm going to stop right there. That is an incredible sentence right there. That that is an amazing statement. He you know that he's been telling us all of these things so that we don't fall away. Now, anytime you study the Bible, there's 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 the message to the immediate hearers, and it's important to know what that is. There's a, Then there's a, a, a general message, right? And then there's a message to you. And, and every time you study the Bible, you it's good to identify all three. So here he is sitting there talking to the apostles who've spent three years with him, traveling with him. And so he says, all this I've told you, everything he's been saying, so that you will not fall away. There's an obvious application to them, right? That um, that uh, they've spent three years. They're super close now. I mean, here John is leaning his head on Jesus' chest, and they're talking to each other, and, and they're all so close. They all are saying, at least vocally, <laughs> verbally saying that, they're willing to die with him. They're willing to go to the cross with him. Now they're not. And we know, and he says, I have told you this, that you will not fall away. And, and, um, he knows that, that, that very night they will all fall away. They will all leave. They will all abandon him. Um, even Peter and John, the writer, uh, who will keep a distance. I mean, he know, he won't go completely away, but he's not going to be with Jesus. He's going to keep a, uh, big enough distance from Jesus that that people don't identify him with Jesus. And Peter will keep an even bigger distance uh, until he gets caught. And people wonder, you know, find out who he is and where he's from. But but basically he's prepping them and he's already predicting them. He's told them what's going to happen, how this is all going to go down and how this is going to end. So that's that's clearly the message to them. Then there's the general message of as Christians, you know, he talked about the persecution, he talked about suffering, he talked about all these things that just generally Christians, we need to stay faithful. We need to we need to learn how to persevere, even through suffering, even through hard times, even through difficulties. And um and, and that would certainly be coming around the corner. He knew that the early church, and of course, keep in mind the time the gospel's written, the time that this is being read to everybody. And you know, early early Christians they didn't have Bibles, so they just had it all read to them. And when they're hearing this, they're going through persecution, and so they're listening to this. So this applies to them. Don't give in. The Romans uh, viciously attacked the church, tried to wipe it out, tried to stamp it out, uh, put to death many, many, many Christians. And so the hearers of this gospel know that they themselves could be next. And many of them were. Many of them thought that, and it became true. And so they, they would have the test of not falling away. And and then, of course, there's the message to you and I. There's the personal message to you that, that you're going to go through difficulties. The Christian life is not going to be easy. There's going to be some things that are wonderful, some things that are incredibly good. But then there's going to be some things that are really hard. There's going to be some things that really test how much we believe this, you know. How much we 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 really put our hope in Jesus. I remember this one gentleman I was studying the Bible with in Puerto Rico, and they're from a poor family. They were doing well. They had a house, a nice house, and they were doing well. He was uh, uh, in a, uh, was a plumbing. I think it was plumbing. Uh, I don't remember if it was plumbing or electricity, but basically, almost uh, half his income, about forty percent of his income, came from uh, signing. Uh, the, the inspection forms on, on construction sites. And it came out that he, most of those he never inspected. He was just getting paid to sign it. They'd give him, people would give him money. He'd sign it, never even, having even looked at it. And of course, obviously that's deceit. We challenged him about it. He said, absolutely. I'm going to repent. And what that practically meant was that he would lose about 40% of his income. That's pretty huge, especially in 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 an underdeveloped country, and and yet he did it happily because he put his hope in Jesus, not in money anymore. Um, But you know, sometimes we become Christians and we try to count the cost on everything, but then things happen that we didn't count the cost on. You know that somebody we're close to hurts us, or we're under an abusive leader, or we're brokenhearted in a relationship, or. You know, or or we're persecuted as being anti-this or anti-that, and we didn't count the costs on that, and it kind of blindsides us. And again, the admonition is don't fall away. Now, let me say a word about falling away. <laughs> um, I, there, there's, there's kind of two two camps out there. Um, there's the camp, the old camp of. Anybody who you know leaves our church or whatever—they they have fallen away. They're going to hell. They've given up their salvation, um, and that term was way overused. And then there's the reactionary camp that is, um, oh, can't say fall away, can't say fall away because you know nobody knows who fell away and we don't know where they went. Da da, da da And we never should use the term fall away um, because we don't know people's eternal salvation. That is true. We don't know, and you know, we we really don't know in who's going to heaven, who's not. We know that if we do what's right, we will go. That if we're in Jesus, living under His grace, following Him, we've been baptized for the forgiveness of sins. We repented of our sins. We put our faith in Jesus. We're going to heaven, but we don't know who actually is going to make it all the way and who isn't. There are people today who look who look strong and, and healthy spiritually that something's going to happen later and they're going to get eliminated and they're going to turn their back and walk away. And then there are people that are not here right now who've walked away or maybe never came and are ungodly out there living up a sinful life who will later repent and turn to God. And then there are people who will do that multiple times and, and God will forgive them and welcome them back. So we have to be really careful. Yes, that's true. We've got to be really careful who we say is going to heaven, who say was not. I just stay away from it, period. You know, people like to say, you know, oh, do you, you know, do you think so-and-so is going to heaven or so? Look, I am not God. I know nothing of the future. So I just, I will not say anything about who's going, who's not going. What I will say is if you follow the instructions of the scriptures, you will go. If you don't, if you if you blow off the scriptures, you will not go. That the Bible says. I'll say what the Bible says, and I'll say no more. But I'm not going to apply it and say, "Oh, yeah, that person is definitely going to hell." How do I know? And God is the judge, not me, right? So even and and so we do need to be careful with that term "fall away," but we don't need to be afraid of it either, you know. And and I mean, the the you know Hebrews six talks about, it, Hebrews ten talks about it. That first of all, you can fall away because there are some churches that teach. You cannot fall away. Well, the Bible talks about it plenty enough to know that you can. I mean, there are examples, there are references, there are warnings. I mean, obviously it's a very real thing. You you a lot of that's because people confuse God's love with falling away. They think, well, if God's love is unconditional, then you can never fall away. Nah, that's a that's a an erroneous leap in logic. It does not make sense. God can love you. Trust me, everybody who's going to hell, God loves them. Everybody who's going to hell, Jesus died on the cross for them. So he can love everybody that doesn't, just because he loves them doesn't mean they're going to heaven. That's for you to make the decision of what your future is going to be and how you're going to live your life. That is not something that Jesus' love doesn't guarantee everyone's salvation. It it, it opens a door for everyone, but it doesn't push everybody through it. Um, and there are different uses for the term fall away. There is, you know, fall away can be, like the apostles in this example, that they turned their backs on Jesus for a little while. Then they turned back and they repented. Okay. So that's that kind of falling away where, where you mess up. And in their case, it was just a few days. um, And they, and, and in John and Peter's case, it was a few hours, you know, and, and, and I, I know people who've, who've fallen away for decades and then come back. Right, so we know that happens. Now we also know in Hebrews uh, chapter six, chapter ten, it talks about falling away in, in a way that that you cannot come back. And what's the difference? Well, I don't know, but I know that if you know if you're at church trying to come back, then you're not that category. You're you're one of the people that's coming back. It's I I my personal my guess my my experiential uh, educated guess is that there is a point in people's lives. Where they, they're too far gone. They will they will not turn back. It's not that God won't accept them back. It's that they will not turn back. And that's it. They're gone. They're never coming back. It's impossible. But at what point does somebody cross that line? I think only they and God know. We don't know that. And so everybody I know that has walked away, I'm fighting for them. I'm praying for them. I'm doing whatever I can to help them come back. And And... And, you know, I mean, even the the, the example here of them uh, falling away for a few hours, they come back, obviously. So so we can't panic. We can't. There's there's just a lot of emotion attached to that term. And understand it's used in different ways in the Bible. It has different implications in the Bible. We're the same way in the church. We use it different ways, different implications. We just got to be careful when we attach it to ultimate salvation. Um, but just be careful. Uh he says, they will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. Okay, so, um, you know, they're going to get it both ways in the sense that, that um, as time would go by, the Jews would come after them. But then later on, as the church spreads into the Gentile world, the Roman Empire would come after them for the basically the same thing. Um, the Jews accused them of blasphemy, the Romans accused them of atheism because they would not worship the Roman emperor. They would not make sacrifices to the Roman gods. So they were guilty of being atheists. And and so both ways they would get kicked out. Now he specifically talks about the synagogue. Of course, again, here's that, who's he talking to? He's talking to Jews. So that's a big deal to get kicked out of the synagogue. That's being kicked out of your community. That's being kicked out of your family. Those are all attached. So they would suffer greatly. They, you know, they would probably lose all social status and they would become the bad guys of the community simply because they were following Jesus. Some of us who became Christians went through that. You know, some of us, we, we, we went through major persecution when our families found out we were getting baptized or we were we were joining the church, you know, that because we broke away from the tradition of the family. And and that's a big deal. So he warns them. And he says, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. Now, I don't know about you, the first person I think of is the Apostle Paul, right? I mean, he was standing there giving his approval to when they stoned uh, Stephen, you know, in in uh, in Acts. Um, so, you know, you see, you definitely see, you know, that that this is coming this is happening i think john made sure to include this because this would be very encouraging to christians who are listening to this and right now going through persecution you know i've 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 talked to brothers and sisters who you know there's there was a bible talk in cairo egypt that got attacked and they drug out the members the, the one of the brothers got stabbed they tried to kidnap the sister they didn't um there was another there's a couple who's Whose whose wife was killed by her family because she was studying the Bible. Um, this was in another country in the Middle East, and and there's a number of Middle East situations. Uh, there's another country, um, Muslim country, where somebody was on his way to midweek strapped in bombs, and he was going to blow himself up in the middle of midweek service, but the bomb went off in the parking lot, and he only ended up killing himself. But he was on his way into the service and he would have hurt a lot of disciples. But imagine how scary that is. And and many of our brothers and sisters, particularly in Muslim countries, they still, they their life is at risk every time they go to church, because their church could be bombed. Their church could be the next one. So this obviously means a whole lot more to them than it does to us, but it should mean something to us um, that it's going to happen. And I, I personally believe that persecution is going to come back around again. That probably before I die, sometime in the next, you know, or or maybe after I die, but sometime in the next 10 to 30 years, we're going to get heavily persecuted again. Um, He says, they will do these things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. Okay, so again, there's the specific application. We would read about this in Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 8, you know, when Stephen was killed and great persecution broke out against the early church. Um, But then this would apply later to the church in general and, you know, in the great Roman persecutions. And then it applies in a very broad sense. Christians throughout the centuries have been heavily persecuted, sometimes by Muslims, sometimes by other Christians, sometimes by Jews. Sometimes by radical Christian groups, you know, go figure. You know, sometimes by pagan groups, but but the, but persecution has always been very a very real part. The word for uh, a witness is martyr. That's the Greek word for for a witness. And of course, we think of when we think of the word martyr, we think of somebody who dies for a cause. Why? Because. Everybody who witnessed for Jesus died. So it became basically one in the same word. To sacrifice your life and to preach Jesus became the exact same thing. Um, Verse five, he says, or verse four, I've told you uh, that when the time comes, you'll remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to, to him who sent me. None of you asks me where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. So the you know, the, the apostles at this point, they're they're super discouraged. They're, I mean, they're hearing all this talk about Jesus dying and about persecution and about how hard it's gonna be that he's leaving them. That's probably the scariest part of all of this. Um and he says, "Your hearts are filled with grief." He identifies their feelings. He knows exactly how they're feeling, which is important to always remember. Jesus knows how you're feeling. He knows your feelings. And it says, um, um, "He says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away." And I mean, you just take that statement. I mean, how 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 is him leaving good? You know, I mean, especially if you're one of the apostles what in the world is good about you leaving Jesus? I mean, they i mean—they got so much uh, wisdom and life and love and everything from Jesus, not to mention security, because, you know, when you're walking with Jesus, you don't care if a Roman legion shows up. You don't care if all the Sanhedrin show up with all the temple guards. You're with Jesus, you know, and he could deal with anything. But he's saying, I'm leaving, and I'm leaving you guys with this controversial religion that, that is making everybody mad and want to kill you by the way you know and he says unless I go away the advocate will not come to you the paracletus the holy spirit he says if I don't leave he's not coming he said but if I go I will send him to you okay now this is this is uh, a whole lot of mystery here they don't really understand this what what do you mean the the paracletus the the, the helper, the advocate. I mean, literally it's advocate. What, what advocate? Who's the advocate? And what's he going to do? You know, and, and how's he going to help us? And what's he going to look like? How's he going to operate? What's he going to function like? And he says, when he comes, he will prove to the world, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. You know, he 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 introduces him, his role, uh, proving, judging, showing that what is, what Jesus has been preaching is the truth. And he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes He will guide you into all the truth. Now you have to understand the the Holy Spirit. Well, first of all, he says he, okay, as in a person, not as in a thing. Okay. The Holy Spirit, like it's not the force. I mean, I'm Star Wars fan and I love the force, but the Holy Spirit is much more than that. He is a person. You can offend him. You can, you can please him. You can trouble the Holy Spirit. You can you can, do, you can interact with the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I got to say this, you know, okay, first of all, John is is by far the, the gospel that speaks the most about the Holy Spirit, much more than Matthew, Mark, or Luke, um, and much more in tune with the Holy Spirit, and, and does a great job of presenting. Uh, I have a list that I got to figure out how to get it to you, but but of all the scriptures in John that talk about the Holy Spirit, and he gives us a lot of information here. Uh, John 1 132 John 3 5 and uh, uh, John 4:23 663 737 I'll get these to you somehow so don't worry about writing them all John 14 16 14 26 15 26 16 7 16 7 16 13 16 14 and 2022 20, all of these he says something about the Holy Spirit so so he he's giving us clues of who the Holy Spirit is and how he operates. Um, uh, you know, in 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 our fellowship, if you if you're a member of the International Churches of Christ, we we've never really talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. I've heard some great classes in the past, but they were more the exception than the rule. Generally speaking, we're kind of afraid of the Holy Spirit because we just frankly don't know a lot about him, and and there is a lot of weird false teaching out there, um, and a lot of people believe. You know the Holy Spirit manifests Himself in different ways and different places and stuff that very much do not sound biblical and do not sound the way the, the the Holy Spirit operates according to Scripture, and and especially you know there's there's been such a rise in the last hundred years in manifestations of the Holy Spirit with with the Pentecostal movement and people uh, talking about you know everything from laughing in the holy spirit slaying in the holy spirit people barking like dogs in the holy spirit all this stuff that is just like what you know you scratch your head like this got nothing to do with the bible it's just more weird stuff and and that is i mean it's important to know why we don't know a lot uh, the reason we don't know a lot is because we we there's so much false stuff out there the general the easier thing to do is just avoid the subject not go into it because there's it's a little confusing. there's a lot of open there's uh, unanswered questions. Um, and a lot of false teachers and weirdos frankly speaking fill in the blanks and and so it leaves kind of a, a distaste in people's mouths. I just I don't want to go there. Don't want to talk about it because I don't really know a lot about it. So that's kind of been our, our religious heritage The our church comes out of the restoration movement, restoration movement was built on rational, logical thinking, read the Bible, show me a chapter verse in scripture. It says it, I believe it, everything, God is rational. God, a rational God, The Holy Spirit, not so rational, more mysterious, more, I uh, don't know exactly there's. There's not a clear cut explanation. So that's the reason why we don't know a lot about it. Now, I will say this is that if you study it out, there's plenty enough there to be able to feel confident about the Holy Spirit, to know what we need to know about the Holy Spirit. As I've said many, many times, God keeps us on a need to know basis. And there are good things that we should know. There are things that if we know this, if we know these things, it will go great for us. There's things about the Holy Spirit, the fact that he's an advocate, the fact that he helps us with righteousness, the fact that he will make things plain and clear, the things Jesus just said right now, that helps a ton if you really think it through and apply it. So, um, and he says, and we're gonna wrap it up here. He says, I have much more to say to you more than you can bear now, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes he will guide you in all the truth he will not speak on his own he will speak only what he hears and he will not tell you what is yet to come okay uh, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive that he will receive what he will make known to you all that belongs to the father is mine and that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what what he will make known to you. So basically, Jesus ends up saying, look, he and I are like this. We're one in the same. And then the Father and I are one in the same. So what does that mean? All three of us are one in the same, right? If the Holy Spirit and Jesus are one in the same, and Jesus and God are one in the same, then that's what we call the Trinity, okay? That's what we refer to as the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, we'll stop there. We've got more to share, more to talk about um, uh, with the Holy spirit included. And, um, you know, like I said, loaded, loaded scriptures here, lots of good stuff. We'll see you at the next study. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. I hope this has been educational and inspiring for you. If you'd like to know more, please join us by going to study.laicc.net, and we'll be happy to contact you and help you in any way we can.